This is a Hot Pie Media Original. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. H-E-L-P. Help. Better help. Now, is there something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, everybody who listens to Stop Self-Sabotage has something that they want for themselves that they are not getting because they feel that they're frustrated or they wouldn't be listening. They want more. And personally, when I first became a therapist, I went into therapy because I was so hurt in an emotional relationship. And I wanted to repair that. And BetterHelp is a place that you can do just that for yourself. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Better help is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists as needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. One of them is Anthony wrote, Karen is great. She's attentive, gives great advice, and really makes you think about your issues so you can resolve them in a fashion where you are comfortable. Visit betterhelp.com slash SSS. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, So many people have been using BetterHelp. They are now recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. We have a special offer for you. For Stop Self-Sabotage listeners, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash SSS. As a therapist myself, I can't recommend them more sincerely. Go online talk to them. They will be very attentive to your needs and they will get you the help you want. We are here with Janet Kronstadt. Hello, Janet. Good to have you. Uh, Good to be here. Yeah, good. Janet and I are old friends and we're going to be talking about motivation. Big, big issue with for all of us, you know. And um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Janet, and how you know about motivation. So, Pat, I decided to write myself a letter when I was approaching my 70th birthday. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, happy birthday, Janet. Okay, if it really is going to be a happy birthday, Janet, what does that look like in my life? And so I wrote myself this letter on my 69th birthday thinking, okay, I'm really going to celebrate this decade birthday at 70. And this is what it's going to look like. Well, I got to about July and um, I wasn't close. When I got to the September, October 
leading up to my 70th birthday, I thought, what's really going on here? And I honestly, Pat, remembered meeting you at a DSA meeting. You had on a red suit. (laughs) And I remember thinking, there's a woman that I just have to get to know. And you just exuded confidence. And I remember asking you some questions. We sat down and had some lunch. And I remember you saying to me, it sounds as if you struggle with (laughs) self-sabotage. And I thought, wow, maybe that's true. What, what, What is that? So Pat, that was in the year 2000. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Now keep in mind, you know, that was, that was. We're babies. When I was <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, so now fast forward. Why am I telling the story? Because here's what I know. What I know as sure as I'm sitting here is that I have a truckload of confidence. Give me a task. I'll crawl over the finish line. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit later when we talk about my marathon. But here's what I know. What I know is I have spent my life believing and behaving in a way that says, I am okay because I'm productive. I had to get to the place before my 70th birthday that I could say, I am productive because I'm okay. Mm, What does that mean? What does that mean? For me, it meant I have spent so many years living up to other people's expectations, other people's approval, that I really think that I had to come full circle with, if I'm going to stay motivated to do the things that are most important to me, what is that about? So I'm sure you want to quiz me on that, and I'd love for you to, because I really want to reach your audience with a message that I know can be life-changing. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. Um, I I know, I know it's true of you. And um, what I, but I'd like you just to tell a little bit about your, your background. Okay. So tell people, cause you've motivated thousands of of women mostly. Um, So just give us a little overview of what you've done in your career. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Elementary school teacher by education. Um, taught school for five years, was laid off, um, along with 900 teachers across the state of Connecticut, did not know what I was going to do with the next chapter of my life. Um, my dad, God rest his soul, who's now in heaven, um, who believed in me and believed I could do anything, um, said to me, Janet, you've always loved flying. Why don't you apply for a job at TWA? And he said, international, you'll experience the world, do it. And I said, Daddy, thank you. I, I will do that. So funny story, Pat. I um, called TWA to hopefully get an interview. And they told me that they had completed all of the uh, interview schedule. Um, this was the last week of interviewing. Um, but that I should check back with them at a later date. And I said, so let me ask you a question. If I drive to New York, I lived in Connecticut at the time. If I drive to New York, and I come to where you're doing the interviews and I sit there every day from eight to five and somebody no shows, would you interview me? Wow. And so she said, well, I don't know. Let me check. So long story short, 
um, I did that. Yeah. And on Thursday, day before the interviewing was over, at four o'clock, somebody no showed. Of course. And the guy doing the interviewing walks out mm-hmm. of the room and says, Janet. And I said, Oh my God, are you going to interview me? He goes, No, I'm actually going to hire you. <laughs> yes. So, you know, Pat, you're looking at the most confident, determined person. But if you ask me what is directly connected to staying motivated, I believe it's a self-esteem issue. Right. Right. And yeah. So exactly. Wow. Exactly. Um, and then you, you did that, but then you went into direct selling and you worked for many different companies. We don't have to mention them, but you worked with salespeople. You worked with uh, women to help, I mean, housewives and people who had never done this before to help them stay motivated. How was that experience for you? Wonderful. And thank you for asking me that. I stumbled into direct selling because I was the mother of two young children, didn't want to go back to work full time, thought, wow, what can you do? Uh, Attended my very first DSA meeting. It was with Beauty Control Cosmetics. And um, interestingly enough, Pat, you'll love this. When I was at Beauty Control, I, because I'm a teacher, I always love training and I always love speaking, still do. Um, I was asked to teach a workshop and the workshop title was the marriage of self-esteem and performance. Yeah. Now this goes back to 1991. Wow. And I thought, wow, that's an interesting subject. So I took the research really seriously had spent at that point since 1987 to 1991, enough years in direct selling to have recognized, wow, Direct sales is filled with women who don't know they can until they know they can. And very often, I think that comes from having someone else believe in them. Exactly. So I just, through the years, you ask what companies I've been, what I've done. It's always been um, helping women to awaken their worth because what I know is that they don't know how to do it for themselves. Thus, the chapter in my book, Parent Yourself. Right. I think that unless we learn how to affirm ourselves, we're going to look for it in all the wrong places. And frankly, this is not a dump on direct sales. But direct sales knows how to throw out the carrots and throw out whatever it is. But it's short term until you really come to the place where you recognize well, my motivation and my parenting myself has to come from within. within. I have to tell myself that I can. Does so, that make sense? And yeah, of course. And is there any connection that you see between self-worth and motivation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I believe that until you know who you are, why you're doing what you're doing, you may be a great starter, but you're not going to be a good finisher because you will get stuck along the way, mostly in the area of self-doubt. Gosh, I could have really earned this award had I just been as pretty as Pat Pearson, had I been thinner, had I been blonder. I li- and the list goes on and on. And I think that women are just prone to looking in the mirror every day and picking themselves apart, judging themselves unbelievably. Yes, Yes, I think so, too. I think we have a huge self-critic going on, which uh, eats at our self-worth 
uh, for sure. So um, what um, can you give me an example of how this plays out, the self-worth and motivation that you've worked on in yourself and helped other women to work on? Tell me, tell me how you've seen this happen. Good question. And first, I'll share a story of a, of a client recently, very recent, um, needs to lose 85 pounds. And I do a fair amount of coaching women in, in the area of, of weight and, and so on. And um, we got together. I invited her to come to my home and spend three days with me so that I could really help her just get off to a strong start with just you know, almost like, like fat camp, if you will, for three days, I'm going to be your Gestapo. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, she came, she was excited. She had ordered her food. Um, we literally charted out a, a, a path that she would go on her cruise and the cruise is next spring. And she would go on it 85 pounds lighter. And wow. I said, what will you wear? What, what will it feel like to get on this ship? And so you visualize. And yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so she was so excited about it. And she left. And week one, I'm checking in with her. Week two, she's doing great. By week three, she had already lost 12 pounds, um, really feeling confident, et cetera. And then I go to call her day one of week four. And she says, she sends me a text and she says, you don't need to call me. I've been really bad. And now all of these voices are creeping in, reminding me of just, you know, I'm not worthy of this. I'm bad. I can't. And so on and so on. So please don't call me. I'll check back in with you at a better time when I'm, when I'm ready to be more committed. And I just thought to myself, Pat, how many times have you seen this? Oh. I mean, how many times do you experience this? Well, I would, I would call it self-sabotage. Yes. Yes. You wow. set a goal and then you don't, and you trip yourself up as you're racing to the finish line. Yes. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so when I'm learning, even myself, and, and I'll share a story, not just about her, but about me, I mean, Literally, I am one month away from the New York City Marathon. New York is my home. Um, I get emotional just thinking about New York. And I'm running um, on behalf of my daughter for the Juvenile Diabetes Research and Foundation. And my daughter is, is really not well. And um, so what I know is here we are a month out. And I'm thinking, why am I even bothering to do this? I'm too old. I didn't lose the 10 pounds that I promised myself I would. I'm running not light. I'm running heavy. Um, I should just think of a reason not to go, not do it. And then I started thinking about all the people who believe in me and who have donated. I'm $1,500 away from my goal. And I'm thinking, no, Janet, you're not quitting. You are going to stay the course. You are going to do this. Why? Because it matters to me. I have a huge cause. And I think that what I recognize is even though that I struggle so much with self-worth, self-doubt, I get in my own way. I'm learning that if I just look in the mirror every day and tell myself I can, I can, I can do this. 
course. That's going to be my training. Yes, I can. Yeah. Um, I'm going to show up. And what's the worst thing I get that could happen? It takes me longer, right? <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't finish as yeah. I had found. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you, I'm trying to learn to just talk to myself differently. Yes. Yes. I would say you say I choose. I choose to do it. I choose to make this happen. You know? I, yeah. Because yeah, it puts you in the power position. You know, and one of the definitions of motivation, we're talking about motivation that I like, is that motivation is the push of discomfort and the pull of hope in balance, in balance. I love that. Say that again. It's the push of discomfort and the pull of hope when they are in balance. So you have to be uncomfortable. You have to want something you don't now have. You want to run that marathon. It's important to you. You were uncomfortable in the uh, uh, thinking that you might not do it. So that's the discomfort. You want to do it. You haven't done it before. You're doing it for the right reasons. The pull of hope is that you're going to raise some money for juvenile diabetes and your daughter. And so those are in balance. And when you're in balance, you're motivated. When you're out of balance, you're not motivated. You can have too much discomfort and too little hope, which is what you were saying, which is what self-doubt is. It's I can't do it. I'm not fast enough. I'm not there. So that'd be too much discomfort, too little hope. So then to get re-motivated, you would need hope. And you can do it on the other side too. Too much hope, and too little discomfort. That's when somebody needs to be goosed a little so that they come back up to be in balance. So motivation can be thought as a, as a you know, what were those things called? The old time scales, you know? You put a pound on here and you put another pound on here and they're in balance. You take one off and it goes up. So we're always dealing with motivation. I mean, every day, you know, we get up and we- That is so good. That is so good. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking I've spent a good part of my life in that middle uh, uh, out of balance. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, but I think in our conversations that we've had through the years, I think that what I what I think it's in the way back to your question about do I think there's a connection with self-esteem and, and, and motivation? I'll tell you why they, I think the answer is yes. I have this motivation, but then what gets in the way of that is people-pleasing, approval-seeking. I start to move away from my priorities toward other people's priorities. I make their goals more important to me than my own. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have a, a, a history of that. Yes. Well, most so women, I, most women do, Janet. I mean, you know, we all do. We're we're all trained. I mean, our mothers didn't tell us, "Hey, put yourself first and and then bring in other people." I mean, she they said, "Put everybody else first. Be sweet, be kind, think about others, turn the other cheek." You know, we've heard it all of our lives. And you know I, I have to say this cuz this just blows my mind that you just said that. I still hear my mother's voice in my ear. Janet, self-praise stinks. And now you're talking to somebody who's trying so hard 
to look at myself and say, I'm worthy. Yes. yes. I deserve this. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm okay. Yes. Even though I'm not as productive as maybe I thought I was going to be. And well, so, yeah, that's a great example of yes. struggle for me. Well, it's, you know, it's for all of us. We have to accept ourselves as is, not the 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 perfect ideal that we think we should be or that whatever. So, uh, you know, we need to we need to be kinder to us first and um and then extend that kindness to other people. Um rather than putting it all out there and thinking that there's going to be some left over for us. Now, I have a kind of a sad story, but illustrative story. Um, I had a client who was telling me about that she'd had her, she was in her early twenties and she'd had her mother over for the first home cooked dinner that she was doing for her mother. Okay. So mom comes, the daughters worked all day and she serves her chicken backs and, um, and, and gizzards. And so the mom eats it and, you know, doesn't, doesn't respond very much. And the daughter goes, well, I thought this was your favorite. And the mother says, no, it was only the things that were left over after you ate. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the leftovers. Wow. So that's what women tend to take. We take the leftovers, you know. And we need to learn that we deserve better. We deserve as much equally as we're giving for giving good white meat legs and breasts, we need to have one ourselves, you know, to extend that analogy. So motivation is is being in balance, you know, with discomfort and hope and, and making sure that you get the other side. If you have too much discomfort, don't give yourself more discomfort. Give yourself some hope, you know? If you have too much hope, which sounds like it would be like margaritas on the beach, but doesn't really play out that way. Sometimes that's you just get in a in a routine. You get habitual and you get stagnant. And that's when you need to be shaken up a little bit and given a little bit more discomfort. So it's it's a balancing act. And, you know, I, I as you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so what, what have I worked on and what has made some pretty significant change in the last couple of years. And one of them is disciplining myself to be in, for lack of better words, rituals, routines, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because I'm so easily distracted. And so I, I, for me, um, that starts first thing. I mean, the biggest challenge I've had is not reaching for my cell phone, um, not turning on the news. I mean, just, okay, Janet, what is going to change? What is going to get your day, your mindset in the right place right now? And so I think it's routine and ritual that has helped me to just decide. I mean, up to and including leaving my running clothes out on the floor in the morning. Or I'll just think of a million and one reasons why I'm not going to run today. 
<laughs> I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Believe me. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm. So, so what rituals you've come up with to self-soothe, it sounds like, as you're mourning, uh, as you introduce yourself to your mourning. And uh, just briefly tell us some of those. Thank you for asking me that. Uh, it's emotional for me. Um, not to over-spiritualize it, but I would be less than honest if I didn't say the very first thing I see when I open my eyes in the morning and I look to turn on my light is this little post-it note. And the post-it note says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That your self peace really ministers to me because mm -hmm. I have operated mostly from the standpoint of self-care being selfish. Yes. And self-care is so not. So what do I do? I start the day. Okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. How am I going to do that? For me, it isn't church. For me, it isn't um, anything complicated. For me, it's just turning on my playlist, which is just piano music, no words. Um, it quiets me. It gives me hope That's to nice. use your word. That's it nice. gives me hope. Yeah. So I listen to that and I read something every day that just continues to, to inspire hope yeah. in me. And yeah. music, music really does that for me largely. <laughs> and then after that, I, I kind of look at my journal and I think, okay, how am I feeling today? All right. Why am I feeling this way? Okay. What happened yesterday? Um, what can I do today to just continue to move forward? What's yeah. one thing? Cause I'm so easily overwhelmed that I have a million and one things in my mind. But if somebody says one thing that helps me. Sure. Um, yeah. And so I probably spend the first 30 minutes by then I've had a cup of coffee and, you know, I feel like, okay, you know, this is good. I can, I can take this on. Yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah. you have, like you said, a ritual to help prepare you to be motivated for the day. Yeah. I love that. I have, I have a little ritual too, but, but you're reminding me how distracted I get sometimes from it. Um, but I love reading. So I'll have my cup of coffee and read and look out my little patio door at my geraniums and love them. And, you know, and just, um, and just be at peace for a minute. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. take that in. So, yeah. So that's a parenting technique that you're doing for yourself. And I know you've written a book on parenting, right? How to parent yourself. You know, I actually, thank you for asking that. I actually wrote a book and, um, <laughs> do we have time for a brief story about that? Mm -hmm. When I did that workshop at Beauty Control, keep in mind it's 1991, the marriage of self-esteem and performance. I did so much research and so much work on it. I loved that workshop. And I thought to myself, someday I will write a book about this. Well, yeah. someday was 24 years later. I kept thinking about it. I kept thinking about it. But it's kind of like, what have I learned? Well, I guess if you really want a book, write a book, you have to write. You have to take the time. I've written five. <laughs> yes, you do have to write. Yeah. You have to take the 
decide. You have to decide. So yes. Pat, instead, I was chasing, you know, whatever my boss wanted, you know, thinking, okay, I need another job, but uh, this one isn't going as well as I'd like. I'll change jobs. And, you know, now all of a sudden it's like 24 years later and I'm like, what happened to the book? You know, what? why didn't I write it? Well, I never started putting pen to paper. That's why I didn't do it. (laughs) There's no time like the present, right? So anyway, um, the book is um, a journey to awakening worth in myself and in others. And I am really good at teaching what I don't do. (laughs) You're at least authentic. You're very authentic. I love that. So anyway, the book is Going to the Well, A Journey to Awakening mm-hmm. Worth in Myself and Others. And I it's 12. That. And the first module is powerful because it talks about until you acknowledge the problems that low self-esteem is really bringing into your life. Yeah. You're not feel awakened worth. And for me, I mean, it's literally approval seeking. And I mean, I've even been in therapy where I'm sitting there saying to myself, Okay, Jenna, you're here for you, but stop thinking about getting the therapist to like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So anyway, the book, um, one of the chapters in it that I love is the one on parenting yourself, because I'm recognizing, Pat, that, you know, there aren't always going to be people around me to affirm me. There are people to tell me you're okay. I got to tell that to myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember one, one client reminded me uh, that I had who um, was having, was working on the same thing, self-approval, self-love. And um, to her, her experience was there was absolutely no one who loved her except her dog. And so we brought the dog in, in fantasy and had her, um, this was sort of a guided hypnosis and had her see, of course the dog had, died it was a childhood dog and had the dog come back and put his paws on her and tell her how much he loved her and that he would always love her and that she was lovable and that had a real effect on her because it was the symbol of love in her life and she could internalize it then and i you know we and then i'd say well what would the dog tell you to do now you know, which of course is her telling her, but, uh, but it became a, a symbol that she was able to internalize to reparent herself to your, to your point. Yeah. So before we um, go on here, I want to talk a little bit about some of the theories of motivation and um, you may or may not have heard of some of this, but um, Abraham Maslow was a great theoretician and he talked about motivation and he talked about the levels of motivation. And he said that, that the hierarchy of needs is what he talked about. And he basically said that there are five different the needs that have to be satisfied before you can be self-actualized. And the whole premise that you're talking about, that I'm talking about, is to is to reach self-actualization, to really feel fully human, fully authentic being able to self-love and motivate yourself. So the first need was um, the physiological need, food, shelter. And the interesting thing about Maslow is he said, you can't go up the scale unless you satisfy that need. 
So someone who's homeless is not thinking about being self-actualized. They're thinking about where do I get food, you know? Um, So the needs hierarchy is just that. It's a hierarchy. It's a step-by-step process. The second level is safety. You have to have feelings of security and protection. You have to feel safe in your home. You have to not be scared all the time that you're going to be hurt. The third one is belongingness and love needs. You have to feel that somebody loves you, that you belong somewhere. The hunger for affectionate relationships. The fourth is esteem needs that you've been talking about, which includes self-respect, self-worth. And the next level is self-actualization. So esteem needs come before you're fully actualized. So esteem has to come before full self-worth. We're we're mixing a lot of words here, but self-esteem, I think, is unconditional loving of yourself. And self-actualization is the ability to feel that and feel that uh, fully human interaction inside yourself, but also be able to extend it without extinguishing your actualization. So it's it's being able to be universal with it. So what do you think about all that in terms of your some of your parenting books and paradigm you've done? I think it's fascinating. And I I think that I don't think that most women know how to get their needs met in a healthy way. And I think that whether that is um, just giving in to um, overeating, and, and I'm thinking about, you know, just the, the women I'm coaching right now with just this whole overeating thing. Um, I just think that when your needs aren't met, you, you look to have them met in unhealthy ways. And I think that one of the things that I have just been fascinated by as many things as I've done in the areas of just getting to know myself through DISC, Myers-Briggs, I mean, you name it, I've done it. But the one that has fascinated me the most is the one that is the most recent, and it's the Enneagram. And I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but when I did the Enneagram, I literally, I did it and it was the one thing that I've done that nailed me and I wasn't happy about the result. As a matter of fact, when I learned my type, I thought to myself, I'm not going to tell anybody what my type is. I'm so embarrassed about this. What do you mean I have a gluttonous personality? (laughs) You know, I think that it really helped share a little bit what the Enneagram is and and how you take it and all this kind of stuff. You're going to talk about it. You know what? I I, I don't know that I'm prepared to do that, Pat, but I think it's Riso Hudson. um, And it's a test that I actually thought, well, you pay for it. Yeah. And and you take it. And, And the reason I did, I'll just tell you the background story. The the gentleman who is the founder of the company that I got certified with in, in healthcare or health health said to me, Janet, I'm going to coach you. And it's interesting because I'm a coach and I coach a lot of people. But what I recognize is I need a coach and I need somebody to call me on my shit. <laughs> so um, literally, he Takes said, I want to see one. Yes, of course. Yes. 
to until you take this test. Yeah. I said, okay, I'll do it. So I take the test and it's called the wisdom of the Enneagram. And it was a book. I went out. I'm dutiful. I do what I'm told most of the time, some of the time. It's probably not very honest, but anyway, a good part of the time. And so I go out, I buy the book and I take the test. Well, it tells me that I'm a type seven and a type seven is prone. It, it, there's like a healthy type seven, a moderate and a, and a, and an unhealthy. It's the same with all of them. There are nine types. Right. And the type seven is the enthusiast. And I thought, well, that makes sense because I am this motivational person. And if you hear me yes. speak, you, Oh my God, she's got all of her shit together. <clears throat> no, I don't. So when I took the test and I realized, oh my God, a gluttonous personality, what is that? And it's a person who literally needs to work on not falling into that unhealthy part of my personality, which frankly, Pat, comes down to wanting more than my share <clears throat> and not being content. And so I realize now my mother's voice yet again, you know, Janet, when are you going to learn to be content? And the truth is, I always want more. I'm never satisfied. I'm never content. There's a good piece to that, which keeps me motivated. Sure. That's your discomfort. Yeah. Pushes you. There you go. Yeah. What you said, and I asked you to repeat it because I kind of need to learn to be comfortable with ordinary, with just the day. And I'm always thinking about, well, what if, and I could. And so my dreams are huge, but then I frustrate myself and live in that place of, I am okay because I'm productive. Mm -hmm. And I've worked myself silly, crazy, always right. Productive well, yeah, and, and and we're going to have to sum up here. But uh, you know, in my in my world, what I would say is that you're high self confident and low self esteem. Yes. Self confidence is the ability to feel like you can be productive, that you yes. can do things, that you can be successful, that you People can reach your goal. Huh? People will love me if I'm that. Yeah. Well, people will love me. Is that what you said? Yeah, they'll love me more if I'm more productive. Well, that's that's the erroneous belief because exactly. that has nothing to do with why people love you. Exactly. People love you for who you are and and how lovable you feel and how much love you give out. And, um, you know, being your friend, I can tell you that people do love you. Um, so that's the self-esteem piece. Now, you need both to be successful. But when I'm, you know, when I'm talking about self-sabotage, I'm talking about you can sabotage on either one of those levels and um, yeah. or both, you know, but mostly, um, mostly it, it's, it's one of those two. And either one of those can can send you into a demotivation spiral. Yeah. So our idea here is to give people information and motivation. And, and we have. Push the discomfort, pull of hope. And you've been so wonderful as a guest, Janet. Thank you so much for being on and being so authentic and sharing your 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 desire to uh, be how you motivate yourself. And I want to take a minute now because I know you're running the New York Marathon and I know you're running it in, in the spirit of your daughter who struggles with juvenile diabetes. So please tell us 
where my listeners can help you reach that 1500 only 1500 that's nothing that you're going to that you're going to get before november is that when the when it is yeah seventh is the race and i had set a goal to raise ten thousand dollars and i'm fifteen hundred dollars away from that so um yeah i want to i want to meet that goal and um tell us how we can help i think probably the best thing to do is to have you go to my website and the website is awakening-worth.com okay and all the pumps and you can do it through through the website okay so So awakening dash worth dot com okay awakening dash worth dot com make a contribution you know if they want to of course any amount to help um, juvenile diabetes yeah oh thank you so great i'm delighted to have you on Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.